Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Oh, this is so exciting. We've got a wonderful gal from Canada here and and we've got a world premiere. World, We have a world premiere we're going to talk about. And uh <laughs> Randy Lieboslaw is here. And how are you, honey? How you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm awesome. You know, you're one of my favorite people in the entire world. I say oh, that to everybody, though. Oh. But well, now it doesn't mean anything. Well, but for some, I mean it more than I do for others, if you know what I mean. So. Oh, okay, okay. Well, then I'm assuming that that's for me. Yes. Because you, you're an effervescent, you've got a smile on your face, you're very passionate about what you do, and you're a writer, you're a speaker, you're a podcaster, um, you do all of it, and I'm, it's very, it's my honor to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. I love coming on your show. You're definitely my favorite host. I say that to all the hosts. No, I'm just, <laughs> I actually don't. Well, gee, yeah. <laughs> See how it feels. I know. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. That was so. Let me let me repeat it. You're one of my favorite guests of all time. Yay! And, and I mean that sincerely because we have a good time whenever we talk. Uh, we make people smile, and that's that's what it's all about. And you um, help me lead the way, and uh, we we have a really good time. And you've also. Um, you're working as a health advocate and you're working with with uh, autism. And, you know, I, I was so disappointed. Why? Because because I was going to play a video for you that that I just got in, in my mail yesterday. They were on the show yesterday and and this brand new song that I thought that it was right up your alley that you would really enjoy. And, and you've already heard it. But it is a good song and i do enjoy it but yeah i did hear it already <laughs> <laughs> well um mary elizabeth um jackson and and sisters jay uh they were on the show well when this airs they they're on the show friday but they i i uh taped it on wednesday and uh they have a new song out which is called breathe in and it's a video that just is it's remarkable they are just a really a cool bunch of people and the interesting thing about it we were talking about it um, when i was growing up there was a place um in seattle called i don't it's gone now but it was called Furcrest school and that's where all the kids with down syndrome went they didn't live at home in those days they were they went to this boarding school and that's where a lot a good deal of them were and so when i was growing up you never saw um down syndrome kids or and of course autism wasn't a thing back then and and any of that so it's it's i'm glad to see that times have changed a bit and we're including these people with their special needs in in society and uh we're treating them i'd like to think you tell me I'd like to think we're treating them better than we have in the past. I like to think that too. It's actually funny you're saying that because when I was in elementary school back in the 90s, um, in my school that I was at, and not every school had this, but in my school, we had a specific classroom for the special needs kids and we had a specific classroom for deaf students. And so we would... Um, there'd be certain classes where they would come in like certain periods where they'd come in and we'd all be one class and then the rest of the day they'd be in their class. But then there'd be, you know, you could go and you could help out in the classroom and that kind of thing. So when I was growing up, it was just sort of, it was normal because we were right there with them all the time. Yeah. And the difference between, well, I'm talking the sixties, yeah. Uh, and you're talking the 90s so in that 30 year period a lot uh, changed a lot changed and it continues to and i'm yeah. i'm really glad to see it because in the video that we're going to play in a little bit you can see the and i mentioned it yesterday on some of the kids faces you can see the unabashed joy that they have with every day and they don't and i don't know 
if it's because they are, well, I don't know. Why do they seem to have, you know, they smile, they, they hug, they, they hold your hand. They do all the things that, that the normal kids don't do because they're way too cool to do any of that. You know what? I have a feeling, a thought. I don't know if I'm right, everybody. I'm just making stuff up. But <laughs> I think it's because they just don't care. Like the our neurotypical people, um, they care so much about what everybody else thinks. Like all so much. Um, and then the others, like with Down syndrome and autism and stuff, and not to say that they don't, um, but a lot of us, we just, we don't care. Or we've come to a point that we don't care. That's why I'm so cheery and happy all the time, because I went through a stage where I cared what other people thought. And yeah, you don't smile as much. You don't. You and don't. You, 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 you're worried about what other people are going to, how they're going to perceive you. And yeah. rather than just relaxing and having a really good time. I think we can learn a lot from people that, that have that view of life and yeah. saying, you know, and it's, it, it really is remarkable. It really touched my heart. As you can tell that video really touched my heart because it was, it, it really is something that we need to look at a lot more carefully is, yeah. is how we're treating each other and take, taking care of each other. And, and especially like, I think I told you before, my granddaughter ha is autistic. Yes, that's right. And we don't know. To, she's just now five. Um, so oh, we just, that's a fun age. It is. <laughs> but we just don't know to what extent, if it's going to stay, if it's going to resent. I have no idea how it works. You've been well, around. Well, it always stays. You can't get rid of it. But you definitely can adapt and find coping strategies and, and learn um but it's just it's just our brains are thinking differently is what it is mm -hmm. and see the interesting thing is is that when she goes to school um she's the, the teachers say oh she's a very good student she's a very good girl and she obeys and does a really nice job and then she comes home and they go where did that child go this is a completely different individual is, oh my what? goodness that was me as a kid <laughs> Yeah, not my kid. My kid was just a monster everywhere. <laughs> Love him, but he was a monster everywhere. But no, that, that was exactly me. I would go to school like at that age, you know, be a great student, listen to the teacher all the time. Then I go home and have these giant meltdowns. And my mom would end up having to shut me in my room while I yelled and screamed. <laughs> and it's interesting because uh, um, what I'm learning from other parents and other people like as an example mary uh, elizabeth she had all of her kids have had issues and one in two of them were non-communicative um and they had to learn how to speak and and she's and she's a really good parent in that way but it mm -hmm. takes a special type of person doesn't it i Ooh. really think it does and i mean as much as i have a kid with autism i don't know how i would have been had he been non-communicative like or non-vocal like i i am so glad that i didn't have to experience that i you know kudos to those parents i mean i guess if i was in that situation i'd figure it out just yeah. like i figured out the violent meltdowns but you know i think we're given what we can handle even when and, we don't think so. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, and what amazes me is she was nonverbal, and they she actually had to learn the ABCs by doing sing song. Yes. And so, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there's this um, girl. We were at a talent show pre-COVID, so she's probably much older now, but uh, she was maybe 14, 15 at the time. So we were at this talent show and she has autism and they were giving the little like bio before she got on stage. Beautiful singing voice. Oh my goodness. But until she learned to sing, she couldn't talk. Isn't that weird? Why is that? Is that just how the brain works? I'm going to think so. Yeah. I, I don't think there's been any real research done into that, but I, I've heard it you know, for her, for sure. But, and I've seen other stories about that. And I think, yeah, I think it's just the way that the brain is adapting to learning sounds and the music helps. Well, it's interesting because like my granddaughter doesn't, 
She communicates now. She speaks some, but she also has from the day one, she's also had this other language that she would speak. Um, and she, she understood it apparently because she was trying to get my son and his wife to do what she wanted to, them to do using this language that they had no idea what it was. Is yeah. that, is that normal? Is that, um, I'm not sure. I haven't experienced anybody like that before. Um, I have experienced, I used to have, uh, when I was teaching kickboxing, there was this little boy. He was maybe, how old was he? Like six, maybe five, six. And um, he had little bits of words, but really, if you wanted to communicate with him, you gave him yes or no questions. So it'd be like, okay, so we're going to warm, like he understood what you were saying. So I go, okay, so we're going to warm up now. Do you want to snake crawl? Yes or no. And then if he said no, okay, do you want to crab walk? Yes or no. Okay, yes. Okay, so that's the one we're going to do. Uh-huh. So, so it's, it's, it's just finding the way that they communicate. We just have to figure it out because they know they're not dumb. No. <laughs> Well, I and these two, these two girls, one is 19, one is 22, and they're beautiful song songwriters and singers and and one of them is um in in the college for uh, uh drama and for uh creating art and these you know that and that's Lily and it's amazing to me that you would never think that that when that child was so young that she was non-communicative or non-verbal and you wouldn't think that she would accomplish the things she, she has now it just amazes me that that we put labels on people and they turn out to be so totally incorrect but in some cases those labels stick and in some cases we need the labels to get the support in order to get to the place that we need to be. So like for my kid, until he had the label of autism, the school was doing absolutely nothing to help us. But as soon as that label came, they were like, oh, okay, so this is what we can do for you. And they'd list off all the different supports now available. And it's like, okay, hey, but he had these issues before we put that word to it. But until that word came, nope. Now, is that because they get funding because of that yeah. word? Yep. Because uh, now he's classified as a special needs student, so they get extra funding for it. Wow. That's, that's amazing to me. I would think that, uh, that they would be looking at each kid as an individual and that some kids, you know, need extra attention and extra help. But I suppose they have to figure out some measuring stick to use. Yeah, I it's not the best measuring stick, but I guess it's better than saying, eh, there's absolutely nothing by. <laughs> but, and by the way, congratulations to you because you were a tiger in a woman's suit, making sure that uh, he was getting the attention that he needed and the help that he needed. Congratulations, Bob. Thanks. It was a long battle ongoing next year's grade 12. And we have already went and visited the college that he wants to go to. He wants to do baking. Um, but now that he's figured that out, he needs to do a college level math. And the stream that they had him in for math was not college level. It was below that. And so now I have to fight with the school so we can get the right math that he needs for the college program so we can go there when he graduates. Oh, cool. He wants to be a baker? Apparently, yeah. It's uh, what's it called? Baking and pastry fine arts or something like that. There is a, a real need in the hotel motel business uh, that has got a lot of uh, catering that they do. And we yeah. have oodles around where I live. We are in a tourist like 20 minutes from Niagara Falls. Right. So touristy. Oh, then then finding a good uh, um, baker and. Uh, somebody who can do pastries and be creative with them. That's really hard to do. Uh, there aren't a lot of people that, the number one, decide to take that up. So congratulate him. I think that's that really is the potential there. It's really good for him to, yeah. to really make a name for himself. I think so. And like, and even when he was little, we'd, he'd be like, I want to bake something. He'd be like, okay. Um, and I wouldn't give him a recipe or whatever. I'm like, okay, go make something. And he'd, he'd put all this stuff together and make it and Sometimes it turn out great. 
and sometimes not so much. But we never, we never stopped it. My mom would come over and be like, you're just going to let him use all that stuff. What if it doesn't taste good? I'm like, okay, then we know that it doesn't work. Like, I don't know what to tell you. But, but that's part of his learning experience. Yeah. And, and so he knew what eventually he knew what worked together and what didn't work together and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it's, it, but I just think that it's, it's awesome that he has a uh, passion for something that he wants to go do. That's, that's very, that's for, for something who's going to be a senior in high school. That's, that's kind of rare. Yeah, it was, I was surprised when he said, well, I was surprised at first, but then thinking about it, I'm, I'm not really surprised. But at first I was like, huh, because I thought that he was going to try and be a tattoo artist. He had talked about that. Um, and even before that, he had talked about doing graphic design and art and all that other stuff. And then he's like, oh, I really want to do baking program. Okay. Do you know how much a wedding cake goes for when it's decorated uh, superbly the way that, and see, he can use all of those skills in his baking program rather than you know one or the other because like being a tattoo artist and being able to um put a terrific icing on a cake that's that has a message is very similar to one versus the other oh yeah exactly and whatever they bake in class they get to take home um so apparently we're gonna have get fat well he's there <laughs> But no way. When it comes to when you're saying wedding cakes, I'm laughing in my head because you're like, you know how much they cost, and really, I don't because we just went and got ice cream cake for our wedding. <laughs> well, you and know, it was delicious. Yeah, but well, and yes, it would be. But uh, no, the the uh, some of those cakes that are the the hoity-toity people you or make. Um, that have got the funds to do it, they can be a thousand dollars. I believe um, it. Yeah. You know, and and then just get of ice cream they, cake, guys. Just get ice cream cake. Yeah. And, and, well, if you're going to feed, as an example, you have a wedding of three hundred, then you're going to have several layers and tiers of the cake going up this way and stuff, and so they not only have to bake everything to make it work and ice it and all that, then they have to take it and build it at the facility that they're going to be there at. And so they have to take all of the, the base and then they put the, the next, ask me how I know all that. Uh, I was in the restaurant business for 20 years. So there. Oh, there you go. Yes. I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful idea for him. Yeah. He's, he's looking forward to it. In fact, he, after the tour and the program looks so cool. Like every, every baking station has all their own tools. You're not sharing with any of the other students and they've got like the TV so you can, it, like the camera down with the, what the teacher is doing. But afterwards he goes, I want to start right now. And the lady was like, Oh, I'm glad that you're excited. I go, okay, but you still got to finish grade 12 first now. <laughs> and he's just going into it. So he's got the whole year. He's got the whole year, but that's it. It's just one more. Yes. And now is he taking any, is he upping his math game by taking some harder courses during that year? Well, he's going to have to take the the correct level of math. So, yes, and that will be so much fun for me to teach him. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it, is it, uh, it's been a while since I've, is it geometry? Is it trigonometry? What What is it? Oh, my gosh. I can't, I don't even know. It's been like, <laughs> but I think, I think there's going to be some algebra, which he has never done before. So that'll be fun. Um, I think the big thing, what they need for the program, though, is the fractions, right? Because when you're baking, you have all the different fractions. Yes. So I think that's the main concern. So that's what we're going to focus on. Yes, indeed. Because I never understood algebra. It's like, what do you mean? A times. It's so easy. See, math was my best subject. I got like hundreds in the classes. Um because well, I, needed, I needed your your counseling then <laughs> I, I tutored in college actually i did <laughs> for you. see i never i never understood until somebody said it's all made up it doesn't matter what you put there as long as the numbers work out well, that's what they said anyway that's what's good about math that's why i think i excelled at it was because there was only the one way to do it like now now there's all this new ways to do it but like there's only one right answer if if like one plus x equals two 
then it has to be one. X has to be one because one plus one is two. There's no other answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that would be true. Only for me, it was like X plus Y minus Z equals negative 20. It's like, what? Well, because there's rules around it. You have to make the sides match. And if you add something to one side, you have to add it to the other side. And you have to follow the bed mass rules. Like, there's lots of rules. See, I was never a rule guy. I, just... <laughs> I like I like rules. I like facts. I like things being what they are. So maybe my autism is helping me in that way. It made me good at math. Yes. Well, probably so. Well, and you know how I spent my high school years was playing basketball. Oh and uh, I no, I was not good at that. <laughs> well, I I went to an experimental school. It was called Juanita High School, and it was a they called it back then a progressive school. And you had instead of having six uh, periods a day, you had uh, eighteen. They were broken up into twenty-minute periods, and okay. so you could you could have three twenty-minute periods in history. And then you had an hour off and then you where you weren't scheduled for anything. And then you might have uh, 40 minutes of English and and so forth. And, and then you had so almost 50 percent of your time was free. Huh. You know what? That actually sounds better than the way that they do things, uh, at least here, because we've done most of most of Lev's work all from home. He's in the last couple of years, he has not been attending and he's been doing great. And what we've learned and any homeschooler, I think can uh, verify this one is that really the amount of actual work that is done in school is a maybe two hours and they're sitting there for six. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's really true. But you see what, what my downfall was, was since I, I would, you go to home, in home uh, class in the morning and then you go to your first class and then you have an hour now the gym's open all the time and it's a big gym it was had it was big enough where you could put the seattle symphony orchestra and their trucks in the building holy crap it was huge it was half the half the size of the school was had an olympic size swimming pool had six basketball courts had had four tennis courts it was so Wow. Uh, so I would go down there and would change into my in, in my gym clothes and and go pick, play a game of pickup basketball. And there were other kids down there to do that. And then I'd look at the clock and go, I got five minutes to get to class. Well, I ain't going to make it. Besides, we're losing by two and I've got to win. So <laughs> and but <laughs> this is way back in the 70s. Are you, at least you were in the school. In high school, I spent most of the time at home because I skipped. Uh-huh. Well, they don't they didn't allow you to skip, but you know they had an interesting thing that they would do. If you missed a class, you could have three unexcused misses and then they just dropped you from the class. They didn't necessarily discipline you, nor did they tell your parents. Um and the other weird thing that they did was they graded you on the credits that you earned. So your report card that went home, remember, my folks went to school in the 40s and 50s. And so they look at the report card and I was getting A's and B's and B's and, and an occasional C. Oh, so you were doing wonderfully. At the work that I was doing. But if you looked at the credits that I was getting, because see, you had to go to the testing area to go do like a math test. And if, if it was near the end of the quarter, there'd be a line there. And it's like, screw that, I'll go play basketball. And and so if so you could get... You could get an A, and you're supposed to get um, a credit for that quarter, and I got like 0.25 or 0.5. So at the end of, of the year, I had half a year's worth of work in. Um, but, you know, that, that was just me. That was, yeah, I probably would have failed. Like, I would have been the same then because I just didn't go. They would have they would have constantly dropped me from classes. <laughs> And that that's all they did that's all they did and uh they didn't bother to uh um tell them your mom and dad or they of course my mom was out a lot in the afternoon and my dad worked and so i always made it a practice to check the mailbox on my way home oh that, you know how yeah that 
Yes. Yeah. See, I just didn't need to worry about it because my mom let me skip, but she had a couple rules for it because the time that I skipped and she didn't know I was skipping, oh, she reamed me up one side and down the other because why did the school call me? You should have been there. What if you were dead in a ditch? Da 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 da. So her rules were she had to know where I was, which basically meant you had to stay home. It wasn't like I was allowed to go off and play with my friends. You had to stay home and you couldn't fail. That was it. The two rules, right? She wanted to know oh. where I was. So I was safe. And if I could pass the class without being in the school, fine, then pass the class without being there. But if I was to fail, then I better get my butt to school. So I didn't fail. <laughs> Smart woman. Smart yeah. woman. Well, I think a lot of it had to do with she fought so much with my brother to go to school and it just didn't work. So why fight with the next kid when it didn't work with the first one? Because you get to that certain age when the kids are teenagers, they're at that age that you can't just pick them up and throw them in the car. <laughs> like, well, I miss those days. Yeah. And even if you did, uh, you could drop them off at the front door and they go zipping out the back door. Right. Exactly. To go do what they wanted to do and and you know so but i'm of the opinion that uh, over time see you know, i've been very successful in my life so so even though academically i'm not very smart theoretically but i have a lot of knowledge on a whole bunch of different subjects i can speak relatively well most of the time and uh, <laughs> and stuff like that so you know the heck with it i i i had, had a great life and and I didn't, I never really wanted to be a lawyer or, or to, and school just didn't, school bored me. It just didn't interest me. School doesn't fit everyone. It's really that simple. And the way that school works doesn't fit everyone. It's a very archaic system that has not gone up to where we are now. Like when schools first became a thing, it was, and I watched this documentary and I'm totally paraphrasing and I hope I don't mess it up. But um, when schools first started way back when, uh, it was to pump out the students in order to start working in the factories because yes. the industrial revolution was happening. Well, we don't need factory workers anymore. Now we need people that come out with new and creative ideas, but schools really squash that um, because they're still in that, pump them out for a specific purpose not help them become who they are and be creative exactly exactly and that's where we are falling behind in a lot of countries around the world especially the asian countries because yeah. they've got a whole different viewpoint and they are working to get their kids to be smart at, at doing what they're they're capable of and rather than because you know, we, I never understood why I needed to know trigonometry when I wasn't ever going to use it for anything. Mm -hmm. Oh but yeah. I, like, like I said, ahead. I was good at math, but I don't use it. I mean, okay. Yeah. I might need it for doing my taxes or something, but like, I don't use it on a regular basis. But they don't even, even when my kids were in school and they're in their early thirties, uh, they didn't teach. <laughs> I really wish they would have. They didn't teach my son about credit, about about uh, credit cards, about about checking accounts and how to open this stuff and how it works. So that, Dad, but it's only twenty five dollars a month. No, it's like if you were to pay twenty five dollars a month for that, you'd pay it off when you're my age, right? And, and he says, "Well, it, the interest rate." I said, "So what's the interest rate?" It's only 23%. It's like, and I'd like you to think about it. And, but he never, it, it just, it, some kids, it just doesn't work. And then, and he was one of them. Yeah. You know, oh, so. yeah. And again, the schools aren't trying to make them life ready. They're trying to make them work ready. Exactly. And the, and the, but the work has changed. It's yeah. now completely different. Yeah, it's uh, which is why I'm glad that we do most of Love's work at home, because when we were doing math last year, I spent a lot of time because the work glossed over the credit cards and interest rates and all that stuff. It, there, there was it was there, but it didn't go in depth. So we spent a lot more time on it. And I was like, hey, so when you have this interest rate, 
this is what it means. This is how it works. And like, we went much more into it because I was like, this is what you need to know to life. Exactly. Now, did you enjoy homeschooling? Did you enjoy teaching your son? Um, when he listened. <laughs> I enjoy uh, having control and knowing what it is that he's learning. Because when he's in school, um, and again, he is technically enrolled in school. The school gives us the work, and I just help him do it at home. Um, so it's not really homeschooling, but it is. Um, because I sometimes will go to the teacher and say, yeah, he did five of these 10 questions, but then we also did this because this other thing was much more important. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you, and you could do that because you, you were uh, managing the curriculum kind of, as they say. Exactly. I just want him to have that piece of paper that says he graduates from a actual school, uh, because it can make getting into college a little bit easier but it's not impossible. Like homeschoolers go to college and university all the time. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And um, that's, that's really is important that, that you get, you get that piece of paper. So then you can have that piece of paper and, and you can move, you can move on. So, so you have a new book coming out. Da, 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 da. Hold on. And nobody knows about this book yet. It's a secret. It is. It's a big secret. You know, you're supposed. To, you're supposed. That's a part of 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 being an author. Where you're supposed to put your books out there. If you leave it being a secret, it becomes a paperweight. I just wanted you to be the first one because because oh, I like this. We we've got good banter. It's fantastic. Yes, it is. I really enjoy it. Tell me about the book. I'm dying to know. So the book is called History, um, the History of Ni Ah, I can't even talk anymore. The History of Crime Stoppers of Niagara, then and now. So Crime Stoppers itself as an organization started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Um, and it has expanded to be worldwide. So um, the local Crime Stoppers here where I live in Niagara, they approached me and said, hey, we want you to write the history of our crime stoppers here so that you know we have something to show people where we've come from and I say okay yeah sure so it took about two and a half years because there was a lot of gathering of information because it was really hard to find information um but eventually I found some good people that had been part of the the board for a long time and were able to to do some interviews with me and lots of different news articles so it was it was different than what I've written in the past like it is nonfiction because it's a history but I had to do a lot more digging and interviews and research because it wasn't my story this time right. um but it's very interesting so for those of you that don't know about crime starvers I just find it very fascinating how they started so um, like I said, they started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Detective McAleese, he had this idea. So he was at first when he was on the streets, before he was a detective, when he was on the streets working, he was working in, I can't remember the name of the neighborhood, but it was like a, a lower income one where they really didn't trust police and they weren't going to say anything about anything. And so he's like, well, how am I supposed to solve cases if nobody's going to talk to me? Yeah. So he had this idea that if there was like a tip line where people could be um, anonymous, they might, they won't be scared to talk anymore because there could be no backlash and then to incentivize them with some kind of reward money. Um, so we had this idea, but it didn't come to fruition right away. It didn't really happen. The very first case that they say was the catalyst to it, even though he had the idea prior to was, um, the Marlboro Bandits. So there was these two people and they were going to, yeah, they were going to these different gas stations and um, holding them up with a shotgun, taking the, taking money and always Marlboro cigarettes. <laughs> that That's where they got the name from. Um, and then eventually though, they hit one of them and the person holding the shotgun thought that the um, guy at the cash register recognized him. So they killed him. Oh. And that is when they went, okay, we got to catch these guys. They're just getting worse. Um, and so Detective McAleese at, had been kind of putting this idea of Crime Stoppers out there with feelers. So that was the first time that they did a um, reenactment 
So they actually, he went to like a no, local news news outlet and they actually videoed the like the scene so that people could be like, hmm, no way. I do, I do think that I remember this, like something around this time uh, to try and get tips. And when they, they aired it, this is way back in the eighties and way back. Hey, I was born in the eighties way back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was 30 in the eighties. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> So they aired it and they not only got a good tip that helped them find where that car was, because it was a very specific car, um, but they also got other tips that helped them solve other crimes that had been sitting on their desks waiting. So from there it was like, see, I told you it worked. And it kind of kept rolling and rolling. And now it's it's all over the world. Um, we here in Niagara, I think it was 86 um if my memory serves me right which it doesn't usually but i think it was like 86 when we adopted it here in niagara and uh it's been going strong yeah and they are they buy by some of them by radio time and they they have radio and television shows yeah and, and yeah we like have that. a local there's a local uh show it's been going on for years it's our local kojiko channel and they've got like an hour slot i've guessed it on there too um <laughs> And they talk about the crime of the week and they they run the crime of the week in the newspaper as well. And now with social media, it's a little easier because they can post things faster than waiting till the next air date. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is you're, you created this book for them to be to use and to and to give away and to sell to other people so that they know what it is that that crime stoppers, how it came to be and all that kind of stuff. You might get quite a few sales from that. I think so. So we're it's um, we're splitting it 50-50 so that the charity gets some of it. And um, that's how they're paying me back for spending all that time writing it. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it's really interesting because there's the base of what Crime Stoppers is, which is the anonymous tips. But then there's each individual Crime Stoppers can kind of do their own thing. So here in Niagara, the big thing that we're doing right now is an elder abuse program. So it started a little pre-COVID um, doing, they started with a small grant that let them do these, um, what are they called? Like um, focus groups to, to see if oh, yeah. it made sense to have this program. And it totally did. The biggest thing was that there was this lack of follow-up after somebody had said, hey, I think this elder is being abused, but it wasn't necessarily a police involvement abuse because it was maybe like financial abuse where maybe a, a, a one of their kids or something is controlling their money and, and the elder can't use it. So it's not police involvement because it's not actually theft, but where's the follow-up? Now, now this poor elderly person still is being abused in a way. So that was where Crime Stoppers is coming in and they're starting to partner now with these different organizations that once one of those calls come in, they can say, okay, well, this isn't a police thing, but you know what? I'm going to send it to, I don't know, the Alzheimer's Society or whichever organization that is actually going to go to. So that's the biggest program they've been working on for the last few years. And they just submitted for um, more grant money so they can hire another staff to really keep it going. Oh, that is, that is brilliant. That is brilliant because that is a hidden crime. Because yeah. senior, seniors don't talk. Uh, if they're being abused by, uh, and most of it is done by loved ones yes. that are taking advantage of them um, or their money or their social security or whatever, whatever they're getting, um, they don't talk because they don't want to get abused even more. Exactly. Or, or they're, or they're um, in the middle of, or early stages of Alzheimer's or something like that. So it right. is a really, that's a really cool thing. The other thing I was curious to know, since you've been doing research on this, if they're getting into is the DNA stuff of, of looking at um, finding DNA of, of individuals. Have you heard about this, what they're doing now? Uh, not really. Like I, th I feel like something sounds familiar, but tell me more. Well, <laughs> well, it was it was so funny. There was a, a kid who was a uh, 
His son owned a restaurant, and so he was cooking at the restaurant. Then his, his dad had two restaurants, and so he went and ran one, and his kid ran the other one. So I got to know him pretty well. And uh, turns out that when he was 14, that he killed a 12-year-old girl. I never knew that. He did not mention anything about that. Well, no, but, I don't imagine he would. No, no, it wasn't a thing to you know be bragging about that. But what what they did was they told him they sent him a letter and they sent a bunch of people this letter that said you have won x and all you need to do is send in via this envelope your information and we'll send you a check kind of thing so he did that and he licked the envelope sent it to them and they pulled his dna from the envelope so it's like a sting yeah, it was like a sting operation, and um, because they could now they now have DNA and they could match the DNA from the crime scene to him that they never would have done otherwise. And I I saw him as they led him away after he was uh, sentenced to I think it was fifteen years, and he was kicking trash cans and he was yelling and screaming because he thought he'd gotten away clean. Yeah. And finally, and there was a cold case. But they're doing that more and more and more and more. And I'm, I'm really glad to see it. Yeah, that is so good. Well, that's the thing. People think they get away with it. And it's like, okay, you might have for now. But as science catches up to things, right, you, you're going to get caught eventually. Well, and, you know, I, I cannot imagine. I just, for me, it's not in my comprehension to think about, well, I'm going to go kill this person right i just it, it, it's not i it's not in my in my brain that, that that could that's even a possibility of i mean i've thought about it in some in the sense really, i hate you so much yeah in in this somebody really did me wrong like uh, i don't know sleep with my wife but you know, anyway but you know <laughs> so it you know i mean that's that's one of those things that that is pretty you know pretty cut and dried and not really very forgivable and but but at the same time i don't own any guns i don't want to own any guns and so it, wait it, you're it, american i know <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> oh i gotta tell you a quick story i was uh, uh working for simmons foods which is in arkansas and so in Salem springs arkansas and so everybody down there kind of talks like this. I was from the left coast way out there in Seattle. And I was standing in a cubicle with three or four of the other sales guys. And they were all from the area. And they were talking about their pistol that they had. I just got me a nine millimeter. You should see this thing. It's just gorgeous. And oh, and, and the other guy said, yeah, I took my, my uh, 30 odd six and was shooting the uh, uh, my water moccasins out of my creek and stuff and and they looked at me and said so what kind of guns do you have out there on the left coast of seattle and i said i don't have any guns you what <laughs> you, I, I don't, how can you not have any guns in your house how, how, don't you feel you know like naked and not protected and it's like i've never had anybody bother me in my entire life yeah. and um, so but that's, you know, so I'm apparently, there are 400, there are three, <laughs> 340 million people in the United States and there are over 400 million guns. So somebody yeah. has got a lot of guns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, my husband and I were just talking about that the other day, how there's like, I don't remember the stat, but it's like three guns to one, each one person in the States or something crazy like that. So somebody has your three guns then. Yeah, they've got that my plus mine plus theirs yeah exactly <laughs> and oh my goodness i and i, I had, had a guy he, he had a house down the street from ours and he had a home invasion and uh it's like they went into his home and and the, and the police report it was like and they stole cash and guns see he had a a catering business he had a catering truck they would pull up in, in in front of his house every night after they had worked all day um, yeah. doing lunches and stuff. And he had he had a, a rack of several guns. So if you're going to set yourself up as somebody that uh, has got all of these things that other people want to steal, then you you may get 
a home invasion. But they come into my house and they go, well, fuck, there's nothing here. I don't. Right. There's no point. In, no point in messing around with this. Um, yeah. so, they're going to so. come in my house and start sneezing. They're going to be allergic to all my animals. That's my plan. <laughs> Allergies. How many, how many animals do you have? Seven. I have three dogs and four cats. Yes, you remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm certain I've said it before. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I don't remember that you've said it before. But it's but, see, it's it's just there. You don't remember that you remember, but it's there. It must be. It must <laughs> be. What kind of what kind of dogs are they? Um. So one is a lab, a black lab. He is. I love Labradors. He is the sweetest thing. He's actually my kid's service dog. Um. He is 11 years old now, and he definitely acts his age. And then we have a beagle, but she's like half the size of a regular beagle like she's very small maybe the rent of a litter or something um she is also 11 they came from the same place and then we have a puppy who is 90 pounds holy mackerel <laughs> he is a shepherd mixed with a little bit of husky so we did dna tests on all of them so he's mostly shepherd a little bit of husky <laughs> holy mackerel how how is he a puppy how old a puppy is he, he is one and a half Oh, he's gonna be—he's uh, gonna be over 100 pounds before he's done maturing. Oh yeah, he is giant. When we got him, we got him when he was only about eight weeks old, and his paws were just giant already. And we're like, "Oh, you're gonna be a big dog." <laughs> and, but it was funny because he. Um, so we got all of our dogs um, through rescues, and he never knew he was a rescue dog. Of course, not—not not that they necessarily know, but. Um, he was born at the foster mom's house. Like, so his mom came over from, I think it was Winnipeg. So West, West of me. Um, and so they came over, his mom was pregnant. He was the only puppy that she had that survived the litter. And he was born on my son's 15th birthday. Wow, he's probably the only one that survived because he was first, and with those paws, everybody else. Right. Did I? I I didn't tell you since the last time we talked. I got a dog. (gasps) You got a puppy. What kind of puppy? Well, I went. It was a. I went to the Humane Society, and and she was a a rescue, a two year old rescue, and she was a um, a. A kind of a beagle's um, wire-haired thing, and and was very timid, very timid. And uh, but I, I had to give him back. I had Why? to give him back. Well, because well, two things. Um, I had her on a leash, and a little Asian lady. I work. I live in a fifty-five plus community, and a little Asian lady came up to he or came up to her. And he, she was being very quiet and docile and reached over um, to pet her. And the dog jumped at her face. Um, uh, didn't bite her, but he jumped at her face. Yeah. And so I, another lady, same day, um, did the same thing. This was a, a white lady um, and did the same thing. And only this time I was holding the leash really tight and he jumped at her as well. And so I had to pull her away. Um, and, and then we were out in front of my little place and we've got, you know, guys that do, uh, um, um, scooters, you know, little electric scooters. That go oh yeah. Yeah. Dipping around. And the guy was going to doing his electric scooter out front and she wasn't doing anything until he went past and then she charged him and, uh, and, and nipped at his, his, she didn't draw any blood. Uh, but she, she nipped yeah. at his, his leg. So, so so she needs to be like a only dog in like a quiet house with no a quiet house people. with no other people. No. Yeah. And, but that wasn't the thing that that wasn't the final straw. Oh, you know what the final straw was? What? I was committed. Now, the dog was not they didn't know this because they didn't have the background on the dog. But mm-hmm. she was not potty trained uh, very well at all. And so I was determined, I had the day off, it was a Sunday, I was determined to teach her what the right way was and what the wrong way was. And so I took her out every hour and a half. Yeah. To go, 
to go for a walk. And I said, this is what we do. And this is where you're going to go poop. And this is what you're going to do. And so I did this like seven times over the course of the day. Didn't get, she went potty, she went pee, but she never would poop. And so it's so. We had a dog like that when I was little. That's why I'm laughing. My mom had to get rid of him because she's like, he just won't poop outside. And and so, you know, the last time I said, now, come on, you haven't pooped yet. This is like six o'clock at night. And and she looked at me and said, oh, I'm fine. Don't worry about me. And so I took her back in. I had some work to do in my office and I for about a half hour. And I walked back out to the living room where she had pooped before. I even bought a one of those pooping mats or dog mats. Oh, yeah. She pooped next to it. So she wouldn't poop on it. So, so, so after 45 minutes of being in my office, I went out there and there was a brand new steaming pile that was just, and she looked at me like, see, look what I did. Look, I don't have to listen to you. So it was like, well, guess what, kid? You, you need to be in a place where they don't care. And, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be picking up your poop, uh, every day for, the rest of your life and mine so so you need to go get a different puppy that one just wasn't suited to you i i i do need to i because I, I loved i really love dogs now maybe three for me is too much because i don't have a yard but if you yes we a, have a very big yard so that helps yeah um but i do need what i did benefit from is from the the exercise of yeah. walking the dog several times a day um, um, I just don't want them jumping at people and, and, and ch trying to chase somebody down and, and yeah. stuff like that. Cause it was, it was almost like Jack, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde behavior. Yeah. My beagle, um, she hates wheels. So like if somebody's riding a bike or like a skate, skateboards are the worst cause they're really loud. But like if somebody with wheels is going by, I have to like really hold her because she just does not like them. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't have any history on this dog, so I don't have any idea what its background was. I mm -hmm. it looked like it had had a litter, um, mm. but I don't know that for a fact. But so I took her back, and and uh, they were very nice, and they took her back. But uh, I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to get a dog or a little cat or something. But I, I mean, cats are easy. I got four of them. Cats are easy. They just do their own thing. Um, you just gotta clean out their litter box. That's my husband's job. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like I like that because um you can take a kitten that's eight, ten weeks, twelve weeks old, you can put them in the litter box and they go, Oh, this is where I go. Okay, great. And that's what they do for the rest of time is they yep. they they go to the litter box because it's like unless they get pissed off at you. Oh, because yes. cats will hold a grudge and they will pee on something that you like just to prove the point that they are the boss. They used to pee on my in my wife's shoes. Yeah, because they were proving some kind of point. Like, I don't like you, lady. It was it was like you need to change my litter box more often than you are now because mm -hmm. I'm tired of pooping on poop. So yes. you you know, so oh exactly. Our we my husband scoops it every night. We have more than one litter box. We also have a litter box on the main floor. So they mostly stay upstairs. So we have multiple upstairs. We have another one on the main floor. And we have another one in the basement in case they sneak down to the basement. Because, um, yeah, they got they got to have room to go. They do. And, you know, what you have, you have you thought about putting, like, a magazine rack next to it? It might help them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they had thumbs, they could, they could, but, but cats can mess around and open a magazine and, oh, and yeah. Read it. yeah, so, you know, it's, I'm being silly, of course. So, oh, but they totally um, could also, they like to just knock stuff off. So I, I just like to keep stuff on my desk just so they knock it off. <laughs> that, and they will, and they will, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's what they do. Randy Lee Bosla is our guest, and uh, I want to. Can I? I want to play this um, uh, film. Yes, yes, play it, <laughs> or else we'll keep talking forever. I know, and uh, this is uh, Sisters J, and um, they are a musical group that. Uh, and and by the way, you know, I I learned this about their producer. His name is uh, Ted uh, Perlman. Have you ever heard that name? 
No. He is he produced for like Bob Dylan and oh. Whitney Houston. And he's a big name. He's he's been in the business and has worked with some really powerful people. And he swears to me, he said this yesterday, these are the best two he's ever worked with. Um so and that includes of course, Whitney Houston had a wonderful voice, but she was dysfunctional. Um, yeah. And these girls are, are, you know, they they really care. So um, let me let me play this, and we'll come back. Play the video. <laughs> yes, something I was going to say. Oh, never mind. Uh, so I'll, <laughs> let me play the video. Uh, and this is Sisters J, and the song is entitled "Breathe In."
and that is Sisters J. And you know that the the young man in the uh, in the the red uh, shirt that was running down the hill and decided to to, to drop on his butt. He, re- yeah, I think he regretted that part. Uh, but, <laughs> Maybe. You know, an impulsive thing that you do, and you say, maybe I should have done that. So, anyway, because you got that. Now, where do you know Mary from? Uh, She came on my show. Oh, very cool. Yes, and then um, I'm pretty certain I've reviewed one of her books way back when. She was one of my first guests way back when. Uh, she's she's a remarkable lady as is, is the whole family so it's 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 fun you know we travel in the same circles we uh get to get to interview some of the same people i know it's pretty cool when you're when you drop a name and like oh i know that name yeah and uh it really is who's your favorite guest of all time that you've ever had oh that's a toughie um not hmm. to single anybody out, but I mean, you know. I am gonna say, um, now I'm I'm gonna feel bad though because right, now, I changed so my mind. Don't, don't answer. Yeah, yeah no, answer because there's too many names to 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 say. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I I did the math the other day. Do you know I've done over two thousand interviews? Holy moly! I'm you're beating me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got time to catch up because I'm gonna I'm slowing down in my old age. Oh pshaw. Psha. Yeah, no. So Randy, is there anything else? Randy Lee, actually, is there anything else that you'd like to bring up? I'm gonna sit I want to take a moment and have you say and tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. Um, well, I would love if they would hop over to my channel as well and subscribe because if you like Positive Talk Radio, then you will definitely like the Write or Die show. Um, it's all about positivity and we're talking about mental health over there. So if you want to head over uh, on YouTube, it's actually under RB Media because I have multiple shows there, um, including our Neurodiverse World is on there. Um, and I have another channel that I'm going to eventually move all the videos over, I think. So they're all on one channel. So go over RV Media because if you like Positive Talk Radio, you're going to like that one too. RV Media. RB, sorry. RB Media. I talk really fast. Uh, That's why I I made you talk slower than. Uh, As in Randy Randy Lee Boslaw Media. Exactly. But RB, just like mine is KM Media. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so you know, you can go there, and you can go to um, Randy Lee's website, and and she she does she does a beautiful job. And uh, one of these days, I'll be good enough that she'll invite me on her show. Actually, she has. Yeah, exactly. You just haven't come because you hate me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> have, have have you extended an invitation and I refer- and I didn't answer you? No, I'm lying. I think oh, okay. I think we've said it, but we haven't actually remembered to like send it. Well, p- the problem is, is I'm not an author. And well, but see, now I have our neurodiverse world, and you could count on that show because you have a family member that has autism. See? Well, that's that's new information. So there, because yes, it's indeed. a new show. <laughs> exactly. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here, my friend. Um, and I want you back again because you, you, you make my day just go so much brighter. Oh, I will definitely be back again. I always look forward to these ones. They're so much fun. I never I, know. I, it's funny because I've been on here, what, three or four times now? Three or four, yeah. And I never know. I'm like, oh, what are we going to talk about for an hour? Like, I've been on here already a couple hours. And we just always find something. There's just always something. It, it just, it's because it is designed to be that way. I know, uh, but some people aren't as rep- good at that. Yes, it's, it's podcasting. I, I've been saying lately, podcasting is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, some, I like some, that. Some of us are really good at what we do, and some of us are just learning. And, yes. uh, you know, so it's just a, a different level of, of expertise, but because see you, you 
you remind me of me in that you're very inquisitive you listen well and you are really interested in finding stuff out about people so so that's that's why your shows are every bit as good as my shows oh thank y'all so there so anything else you'd like to add before i uh you you've had dinner but now it's time for dessert yeah well now i gotta go walk my dogs they are definitely waiting for that you 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 put you put a 90 pound monster on a leash yeah he's a good baby he's just <laughs> a baby <laughs> with with yeah you I, I, 90 pounds that's a big baby but he's so snuggly he just he's just a baby oh and well, I, you know i love shepherds and i love uh, uh labradors and and beagles can be a, a little interesting crazy but, uh, uh, yeah that would be <laughs> But she likes to steal my spot at night. If I, when I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, I come back. She's always in my spot. I'm like, seriously, you know, I'm just gonna move you out the way because <laughs> you're bigger than she is. Or him. right, I just curl up around her, and she's like, "Oh, you're too close to me, mom." <laughs> it's too hot. I need I need space. Yeah. So then she moves, and I'm like, "See, don't don't take my spot. Like, why get up when you are all cozy, comfy down and down in your spot?" And I suppose it's the eternal optimism that she is hoping for. Maybe this time I'll get to stay. It must be because she's been doing it for years. <laughs> Either that or she just wants your attention before you go back to sleep. Which is fine. But at two in the morning, like I just, there is no attention. There's just right back to sleep. Yeah. Boy, no kidding. Um, so... <laughs> Randy Lee Boslaw has been our guest and thank you so much. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's an advocate and go to rbwriting.ca and find out all about her. Thank you very much for being here. It's been, it's, it's always a glorious time and I really appreciate it. Thanks. I love coming on. Bye. So stay right where you are and let me do this real quick. And uh... Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to one another because each other's all we got.